0: I'm here to help you grow and learn as a resource room teacher. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Well, hello, hello, and welcome back to the Resource Room Podcast. Today, let's talk about addition and subtraction goals where we have multiple digits, maybe two by two or three by three addition problems. And at the elementary level, a lot of times we're working on regrouping. Not always. But for me, a lot of my IEP goals in that K to three range, especially the two, three, we start working on regrouping. And so we'll start first with the crappy computation goal. And this one is very crappy, I think. In the IEP year, Brantley will solve addition and subtraction problems. It's short and sweet. That sounds great, right? A short and sweet goal. Unlike those comprehension goals we were talking about a couple of weeks ago. But with this, addition and subtraction problems is so generic that we have no idea what, how big are these um, add-ins or subtract-ins? How big are the sums going to be? What are the differences going to be like? So what we have to do is start to describe the numbers that will be in the problems that Brantley is working to solve. And just like with a lot of the other goals that we've talked about, you know, this will vary based on our students. Are we ready for two digit, three digit? Are they able to do regrouping? Are they working on doing regrouping where that would be a a really good goal for them? What kinds of problems, what kinds of numbers are we going to have in those addition and subtraction problems? Another thought or another question that I would have about this is how many problems? Am I giving them like a 100 problems, one problem? what does that look like how many should i give that student in order to say that they are mastering or say that we're working on that goal and this makes me think a lot of you know whenever we're tracking from the start of the goal to the end of the goal so where is our baseline where are we starting currently and then what is the goal at the end let's say right now that student can solve one problem that's great but are we working to be able to do five problems 10 problems, because that one that they can get right, that percentage looks a whole lot different if we're comparing it out of five problems, or 10 problems, or 20 problems. And I hope you know where I'm going with this, don't give them 20 problems, please don't give them that many. You can make it short and concise, that's okay. It doesn't need to be a whole page of problems to know, does that student know what you're doing? but one problem looks a whole lot different if they're only doing five compared to one problem correct out of ten. So it's a good place to start by naming how many problems you are going to give that student and then what those numbers will look like. And although a lot of us at the elementary level are working on addition and subtraction with regrouping, keep in mind that a lot of these factors can also translate to multiplication or division. So if you do have students who are working on multi-digit multiplication, so not just those facts, but maybe something like 23 times 16, where they're going to have to you know, have a zero placeholder and they're going to be carrying and adding two numbers at the end, all of that is fine. Just make sure that you really describe it in the problem. What are those digits going to look like that are in the problem? Because on the flip side of that, thinking multiplication, I said like 25 times 16. That's far different than times 10 or times 20, something with a a nice round number there. That's a different skill for kids to work on. So make sure you just do a really good job of describing those numbers. And with all that being said, let's read the improved goal. By the end of the IEP year, given five three-digit by three-digit addition problems that require regrouping, Brantley will be able to independently solve them with 80% accuracy. Now, that is not the short, sweet, concise goal that we started with, that crappy version. I do think that that goal is a mouthful. We have lots of numbers in there. Given five three digit by three digit addition problems. That's a lot. Then we have the requiring regrouping. So it's a lot of prepositional phrases and a lot of little clauses in there to say, this and this and this are what this student is doing, but it's okay to have a lengthy goal as long as we're describing what that student can do or is working towards doing. And when we have really well written goals whether we write them ourselves whether we are inheriting them from somebody else then we know exactly which group to start putting these students in so if say i inherited this goal brantley moved into my school and i see oh he's working on three digit by three digit addition with regrouping guess what i already have a group for that and i know exactly where brantley belongs Maybe this goal, he's halfway towards mastery. Maybe he can already do three of the five or two of the five. Either way, I know what group he fits in because I know what his IEP goal is and I know which group throughout the day is already working on that. Now, truth be told, a lot of these goals I did either take from the resource room Facebook group or they were to the best of my ability, what I inherited and things that I was recalling but some of them were a bit extreme. They might have been um, a little skimpier than what we might actually inherit in real life. But what I want to encourage you as the series wraps up is when you're writing your goals, we talk sometimes in special education about the stranger test. A stranger should be able to read that goal and know exactly what to do with that student. You need to be criticizing your own goals. You need to be saying, does this pass the stranger test? And i have went back and looked at goals from two three years ago and been like what the heck was i thinking we all do it so this is the pot call in the kettle black here i know that i've done this too but we really just have to look at them with a critical eye to create the best goals and I'm not saying that they all have to be wordy, like how we talked about the uh, reading comprehension and these addition and subtraction goals. They're kind of wordy because we have a lot of information to pack in there. I'm not saying every goal has to be that, but it's okay if it is. Just make sure it is written in a way where you or a stranger or somebody else that gets this IEP clearly knows, oh, this is what we're doing. I'm gonna give him 10 problems that have this. I'm going to give them one minute and they're going to complete this. That is what we're striving for. And maybe that doesn't work with a new school or a new setting of change of placement, things like that. And maybe it does have to be revised. But at least they know, oh, this is what that student was working towards. And now I know where to go from here. Although this is the last episode of our How to Improve IEP Goals section, it's not quite the end of the series. Next week, I want to come back and then take all of this information and talk about three reasons why progress monitoring is so hard. So with that being said, we'll wrap up for this week and I'll talk to you next week. Well, my friend, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to the Resource Room podcast. I truly, truly love to help and support other special ed teachers. Because of that, I run a Facebook group just for us. Search the Resource Room and request to join. You can also check out my website, theprimarygal.com, for blog posts, pictures, and more information. Until next time, have a great week.